Let's do it. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. Welcome to 2021. We are so excited to start a new year, and we have some favorites coming back and some new people for webinars this year. So um, do stay tuned. Make sure that you subscribe to the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel so that you get the notification every time we put up a video. Um, sometimes I'm a little delayed, so that way you'll know it's up instead of checking back all the time. And uh, we have great guests lined up for this week, and we're going to keep rolling through the new year. Um, if you have any suggestions, just pop me an email at wendy at wendymurdoch.com and let me know if there's a guest that you would like me to contact and see about having them on the show. We had Sharon May Davis and, and she was, that webinar has been incredibly popular. She talked about the C6, C7 malformation and it, it rocketed up to number two in views on my list, which is amazing. It did it in the fastest time. Um, and I'm... Um, just so grateful to Sharon for, for sharing her knowledge and information with us. So I'm working on some other guests. Uh, of course, sometimes it takes a little time to kind of lasso them and pull them in, but I keep working on it. Um, today, of course, are my favorite people, uh, Sharon and Laura Wilsey, and they're back for, I think it's number nine, nine, ten? Yes. Nine? Yeah. Nine, number nine. We just nine. like to talk to each other on a regular basis. So we yeah, decided so by doing it with webinars. With an audience, why not, right? I will let them introduce themselves in case you don't know what horse speak is, and then we'll go from there. So hi, Sharon and Laura. Hey. Thanks for joining hi. me again. Thank you for having us, Wendy. I'm Laura Wilsey, co-founder of Horse Speak, here with Sharon Wilsey, the founder and creator and just unbelievably nonstop inventor of figuring out horse-human conversation but via body language. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all so about. That's what it's all about. So we're, um, Horse Speak, for those of you who don't know, is a systematization of understanding the the nuances of horse body language, micro movements, gestures, postures, and signals, along with um, the, the protocol that they go through. So when horses are communicating with each other, it's very predictable. It's very repeatable, it's pattern oriented. And because of that, when we learn what those patterns are, then I call them a, a protocol because it's, it's, it's a pattern that's pretty much set. Like if you start a rhythm of anything, if a, if a human being starts a rhythm, you know, uh, we like to do things in sets of threes. Horses like to do things in sets of threes. When we greet someone, we have a pattern of greeting. There's a whole ritual that goes involved. It includes leaning in, shaking, well, back in the old day when you could shake hands, shaking, but, making eye contact. But usually face to face, face, to face not sideways, not, like we're, not this we're way. sitting in a so chair. That's why we turn. <laughs> yeah, but now it's going to be sideways so we don't, you know. Right. Yes, that's right. The news. <laughs> Now it's, now it's this, yeah. but, but there's a system to it. And so um, human beings have, the, have a very repeatable system. We don't think about it because we just do it. And so horses don't think about it because they just do it also. But for us to enter into their way of doing systems, we have to think about it. So you take, you unpack a lot of unconscious, what we would normally call intuitive or instinctive um, behaviors that we may have learned along the way that help us get along better with horses. And you go through them piece by piece. And often a lot of people have figured out some of it, but not all of it, or, or they figured out some pieces, but they didn't understand why those pieces work. Mm -hmm. So what we do with Horse Speak is we basically um, go through soup to nuts from, from the, how horses greet each other 
and what they accomplish in that greeting and how they establish hierarchy within the first five seconds of greeting each other. That doesn't involve squealing and biting. You see squealing and biting and things like that. But when horses on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, you know, they're saying, hey, Joe, over the water cooler in the morning, they're not going, hey, Joe! <laughs> like that's not on a day-to-day -day basis. No. Right. Unless there's, unless something's kind of wrong, unless they can't Food quite, is involved they can't quite figure it out. Somebody's really neurotic. Somebody's in pain, something yeah. like that. But like when, when we see each other every day, we have a, ways of establishing, uh, even when Laura comes in the door and we live together, when she comes in the door, I'm like, Hey, you're back. Hi. You're home. So there's a way, there's a way to initiate We're we're connected now. And then there's things that you do once you're connected. And then there's a way to say, I'm gonna take a break from this. I'm gonna go do this thing and allow the other being in your life or dog or cat to know I'm going here now. So that it's just, it's just common socialization systems. And it's, it's how we integrate well together with the group that we're in and how we keep harmony. So, so we are all so mammals. Sharon, it sounds to me like we could take horse speak and look at it uh, with dogs, cats, people, mm -hmm. like it's a mammalian thing. It is. Okay. It's mammalian. Horse speak itself is specific to equines. So there are things they're, that they're built in a specific way. They have a long because head, they have hooves, not toes, et cetera. That's right. And cats and dogs are little, little house predators that live with us in the house. So, you know, when, when you have a little house predator, um, you have, there's different systems that they use. And in a lot of ways, we're, our bodies are comfortable with those systems because we, like a cat or a dog will normalize through play. If play is actual hunting, right? So if they, if they play with a toy, it's actually hunting behavior. And when you hunt something, eventually you kill it if you're, if you're a predator, right? And then, and then you rest. So there's a cycle there, but when you're a herd animal, you don't hunt. The food is on the ground. So part of the cyclical nature of being a herd animal is awareness of the environment. So that's what they talk about constantly, what their circle of conversations about is, are there any boogeymen? Are they about to get us? Are we all together? Do we know where Fred, where's Fred? Where did Fred go? So that's what they're doing is keeping this kind of cohesiveness together. Um, whereas our, us and our house predators we're like, oh, I took the dog for a walk. He should be set for five hours because he did something. He went somewhere. He simulated hunting behaviors by going and looking and smelling and peeing and doing these things. Maybe we played fetch a little bit and now we're done. Whereas horses, it doesn't end. Okay. So, so I have to divert slightly here and talk about my house predators. Yes. <laughs> or the death factories. <laughs> well, well, see, I have two cats. They're brother and sister. They're wimps. They can't stand the bad weather. Buster usually doesn't kill anything. He just brings the mouse to us. And then, but, but the one I want to talk about is Lily, his sister, because at night we have feathers on a stick and we put them in a pot. And then at night she drags the feathers out and she drags them around and she cries. Right. And then in the morning, I find the feathers either in my bathroom doorway or in the hallway. Um, and I had Laura Plunkett talk to her. And Laura said she had an imaginary friend. And this is the only cat Laura's ever talked to that had an imaginary friend. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah, she'll do that. And then so a lot of times the feathers are moving into my room because she comes to me for a couple of greenies and she'll pop up on my bed in the, in the dark. <laughs> you know, I have to give her a couple. But, but this is a behavior she's had before I ever started feeding her greenies. Any ideas? <laughs> 
um walking around and crying with the she's a female it's a female it's a female so that's actually um mother calling kitten behavior come 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 and kill this with me come and play with this with me so she has phantom kittens or she's just got this mother (laughs) there must be some kittens in this world somewhere or you're her kitten or somebody you know there's this urge to like i want to teach someone how to kill (laughs) because she can't kill a thing a bird actually flew into my house and i was in the kitchen and i heard this thumping around upstairs and then suddenly the she came down i think she had the but anyway the bird flew out the door and was fine but she's not capable of killing you know what that's actually interesting because mothers will not kill Ah. they'll they'll lame it and they'll bring it for the kittens to practice oh okay all right so So that's i had a really really inbred mother cat one time who who short-circuited so bad that she would bring home leaves oh she bring home leaves and put them down. Bleh. There you go, kittens. <laughs> she was, they moved. She was special. I'm yeah. She she's she's around, so she had to hunt really hard for those leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a plethora. She had to pick the right leaf, right? right leaf. <laughs> well, I kind of thought it might be kitten type behavior because it happens at night and she wanders around with her feathers and. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do I do with it? The, there's some sort something, some latency in there of, nurturing and sharing this hunting behavior with somebody else in a teaching capacity, but it doesn't have anywhere to go because she doesn't yeah. have kittens. And so she's just like, I don't know, I have these funny feelings, but I don't know what to do with them. Well, and that's kind of like, you know, when we look at horses, horses do what uh, Robin Hood coined fooling around behavior. And um, she is the one that uh, talked to me about that being domesticated flight. In other words, if the horse can't flee and they have this anxiety of wanting to flee, but that, you know, they're domesticated and of course we can find them. Um, uh, And it makes sense to me because those horses are not okay when they're fooling around. They're not, if they were settled, they wouldn't be doing that. Um, And so a lot of times I see with Surefoot, I get these horses that are, have fooling around behavior. And it's so fascinating to see them calm down and stop that behavior with Surefoot. But again, it's, I, what I'm trying to point out is the displaced behavior that it's, interpret the displaced behavior yes um and i think that that's really common that we we don't um we don't read it properly we read it from our perspective of they're misbehaving or not doing what we want or whatever as opposed to they are not okay for whatever reason and it could be a wide variety of reasons and mostly when we see that kind of displacement behavior we think like a dog or a cat we think like a little house predator but it's not and, and I'm always saying to people, when horses are doing play activities, it's, it's about protection, herd cohesiveness, um, fighting uh, simulations, but all of that has to do with, am I fighting? Who am I fighting? Why am I fighting? I'm fighting something for some reason. Uh, and, and we're running, why are we running? We're running away. We're, we're practicing sports maneuvers. If we were in trouble, how would we, what would we do? Who would do what, where, who would turn right? Who would turn left? And so those are actually, um, they're under the guise of play, but they don't create uh, zero. They don't create relaxation or, or homeostasis, as you were just saying. In fact, horses can get stuck in a loop where they can't come off of it because they don't, they're missing some link somewhere. They're missing a herd member sometimes that would be the one who says that's enough. Um, they, they didn't mature. There's something's wrong with their nervous system. They've had uh, chronic pain or chronic illness. They can't, they can't come off the sympathetic. There's any number of reasons, but they don't play for the reasons we think they play. Right. 
And, and I think that's also true, you know, when um, I can't remember whose webinar talked about how horses are designed to conserve energy. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, that because they need the energy if something happens. Right. So they're designed to conserve energy. And then we go out and we make them play um, and expend energy, which to them is, is not productive. Like what we interpret as I am playing with my horse. I think horses interpret as I have to expend energy now. Yeah. Yeah. And they do like, there are some horses. We have one, we have a, a joker princess mare and she's very playful, but it's for about five minutes and then she's kaput. And, and even my, my sort of exploding Appaloosa who will rear and do in, and she plays a whole series of instruments and she'll do, she'll get very involved in games. She's really got about seven minutes on the clock and then she's done. She's complete. So there's, there's certainly a play drive, but it's very short. Right. And then anything after that is often it's displacement, it's stress, it's something. And you, if you give them a break, if you like walk away for 10 minutes and come back, you can, you can play again if you're into play, if you have a horse who's into play, but some horses are not into play. Right. Right. And, and that's really interesting to watch, like in herds, like I have a herd of three horses and we'll talk about them a little later, but you know, Al is, he's the man, right. And things should stay nice and calm and steady and not be too exciting. And yeah, we might have to run back to the hay bale because we, Wendy made us walk around to the water and now it's far away and we have to trot back. <laughs> but that's about the that's initiation for him to try to get back to the food. Right. Yes, <laughs> it has purpose. Um, and that's what I've had to do. I set up kind of a pasture paradise kind of thing. I got the pigtails, you know, this, the stakes that go in the ground with a little curlicue and set up electric fence to make them move because they're in a field where they don't move enough. And so they do move, but it's, it's moved to go back to food as opposed to, you know, and the other time you'll see them move a lot is if it's cold, right. To warm up. So I think that we often think of, um, you know, we want to play with our horses, but I'm not sure the horses read it back. <laughs> so, you know, we had uh, in our little bit of a chat beforehand, we were talking a little bit about like horses in pain and how to notice perhaps if a horse is in pain and even just conversations horse on horse. And I just actually got ready, Sharon, Kate oh, yeah. and Monty. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to show this conversation uh, between two horses because you can see that the horse on the right, his name is Kid and his friend Monty who's in the blanket, um, how Kid is actually bringing some attention about Monty's face. His jaw, his jaw. he's got some tooth issues going on. Oh, okay. And so, so basically this is a video for us to see. Yeah, to see interact. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do this. So you can, so Monty has a little bit of a, He's rolling his tongue out of his face, he's yawning, but that's the tooth. So that's what's going on with his, with his mouth. You can see that he's, got, he's holding himself in a braced position. And what Kid's trying to do is initiate movement, initiate some play, and he's touched, he keeps bringing his attention to the cheek and there it's gentle. So there he's sniffing, he's aware of something going on here and he's, He's trying, he doesn't know what to do, how to help his friend, but he's trying to draw attention to it. And, and then he gets become, because he's kind of a playful horse, he gets a little bit playful, like, can we move? Would that release the stress, right? And so Monty is like, no, then, that's, that's not gonna release the stress. And you, now you need to go away, go away face. Yeah. That and was so, a serious I, go away face. That was serious. And kid's like, oh good, we're playing now. 
So you know, he's kind of misinterpreting Monty here a little bit. Well, and he's mis he doesn't know how to help him. And right. so how he helps himself is to move around a little bit and change the energy. And so that he's bringing all he knows to do, which is let's move. You're staying stuck and you're still, and you're doing the stuff with your face and come with me. Like, let's walk it off. And there he gets some movement and that satisfies kid. So kid then continues to walk, right? And then Monty says, I'll just eat some food. And kid says, all right, that's fine. You eat the food. And that satisfied, because what he couldn't stand was Monty standing there sucking his face. And, and it's kind of interesting that he, I, I mean, have you had his teeth looked at? I have these no. are this is from one of our this club is from members. one of our okay. because yeah. it's so interesting you you would think that horses can smell if a tooth is like i'm so I, sensitive to horse breath if i'm if i'm working with a student and i'm near the head and i smell i'm like oh that breath is so bad um that they obviously can smell uh, when there's something going on there and i would think it seemed like he was trying to point it out he was and then he was doing what he could, like he did bring his lips there. And at one point, if you, when you go, if you go back and notice that he brings his nose underneath Monty's jaw and he rubs him. So he's trying to do like, I, you have a boo-boo, but then his instinct is saying, don't just stand there and suck your face, like move because you're getting worse by doing that. He's getting more and more and more rigid. And so he is annoying enough to get Monty to move. And when Monty moves, kid lets go and takes a walk and Monty then changes and says okay he moves he does break out of this like a pain trance mm -hmm. and he comes over and he just starts eating hay and that so kids reacting to Monty's stress can we and, watch the video again and, and yeah, yeah totally and I want to can we'll do a stop action awesome. moment yeah uh, when you can really see the face of Monty um just showing just uh really tight and you know, signs of pain. So just a second. Can everybody see that? They should be able to, okay. Yep. Okay, stop. So right there, kid's going for the play button. And what you see, Monty's got his tongue hanging out the side of his mouth. And Monty's the horse on the left. Monty has the, the blanket, blanket on, yep. yeah. Great. And if you look at the the crest of his neck, he has the top top line if if you were to take this blanket off he's very tense in his top line mm -hmm. he's also very tense underneath and his throat is tense so he's like sucked himself up and in and he's also dropped which is that kind of intensity drop that they do when they're having stress and so he's basically just standing there and he's dropped and his tongue is hanging out and he's just doing things to try to manage what's going on for him you see that there? And then that yawning is stress yawning as he went all the way through his body. Yeah. Stop. So there, as he's doing that, kid's listening, he's paying attention to it. And then he said, he doesn't go away face to him. This is when the first level of horses negotiating stuff, they try to use just their face and not use their feet. So he's saying, can you stop that? You're really stressing out and, and kids doing this to him. Can you stop that? Can you stop that? Let's, you could play with me. You could bring it to me, but don't just go away inside yourself and just be stuck in your discomfort. So this is slow motion right, right now. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's yeah, really that's, helpful, actually. That's helpful. And you can see that Monty just continues to suck his tongue and do things. And Kid continues to say, don't, don't do that. But it's very, it becomes gentler and gentler and gentler. And here he's leaving his lips because he's drawing his awareness to where the boo-boo is right there, stop.
So at that point, he is smelling. I think you're right. I think he's smelling it. Yeah, that was what it seemed to me is that that's uh, what what is this right here? Yeah. yeah. What is this? Um, I don't know how to help you besides get you to stop um, just being lost in this thing that you're doing. So he's really, really sniffing there. He's really drawing. He's very, he's lipping it very softly. Yeah, he's going, going up and down the jaw. 10 seconds of him being there. Being yeah. very gentle and very precise, very aware. And at that point, I think he found it. I think that Monty said, don't, that hurts. Yeah. So he doesn't go away face there. But of course, kid is like, I can't leave you. I have to, no, no, you have a boo-boo. Let me, I've seen horses sniff ticks. Have you seen that? No. Sniff and chew ticks off each other's necks. Wow. Yeah, so, and it looks like this. They're like, no, 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 you got it. Let me chew it off you. And there, stop. Bring that back a little bit. Yeah, fast. Right there. He's using the bridge of his nose, which you know how sensitive those bones are. It's just yep. bones and a little skin. So he's using the most sensitive part of his face under the jaw. So he's doing his, he doesn't have hands, but he's doing his equivalency of the softest touch he can figure out and using a vulnerable part of his body to indicate, I know you don't feel good. You know, this would be like, if I used a, if, if I use my pinky finger to do something, it's very vulnerable to do that. So the symbolism of doing something vulnerable with myself is to say, you know, uh, um, I'm trying to be as gentle as I can. And then you can just see in this part where Monty his face, see how tight everything, and his just, nostrils, his chin, yeah. and his, like, it's, it's kind of like someone described it to me once as if you had a piece of popcorn stuck in your teeth and you couldn't, you couldn't get it out and you don't have a toothpick. So that's what he's kind of like, something's in there. Oops. And then there, what, what starts to happen is Monty starts to come out of it and say, you know what? Yeah, go away, go away, go away. Stop touching my face. And he says, <laughs> And King comes back with like, well, then stop sucking your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> They're like brothers. <laughs> and by drawing, you know, I feel like what Kid's doing here is lingering and drawing Monty into movement with him. Like come out of that thing that you're doing and come in and get and be with me. And this is interesting. Stop for a second. Because this is like if we're on the cell phone, we're distracted. We're thinking about something else and horses do that to you. Yeah. Poor kid, you know, so, so I think that in this kid here is like, Monty's not with me. He's not with me. And so like, we're come, come back to me, come back. So he's kind of, get out of your head, get out of that space you're in because you're not with me. And that's really scary for horses to feel like their partner is not there for them. So he continues gently to entice Monty to come out of his, his world. It's so fascinating to watch this in slow motion because you can see how gentle, you, which you wouldn't pick up normally, you know, how right. gentle he is being. And when Monty uses his mouth and he says, no, I really mean it. And he uses his mouth. No, I really mean it. You need to move with me. You can't just stand here and suck your tongue. And that lowering his head and shaking it off is his suggestion. See, Monty went right back to sucking his tongue and he said, shake it off, move, come with me. So when he gets the front foot involved there, stop. That's when it's more significant because when they bring the message all the way through the neck to the front leg, it's now a complete front end message. So now it's about direction, intention, want, 
Um, whereas when it's just with the face, it's like, we're just talking about us right now and things. When, as soon as he picked up that front leg and put it down, that's when direction, intention, and want comes into it. And kids like, Ooh, now I better get out of here. <laughs> Which he does. Peel out. Peel out. <laughs> and he does it in a big dramatic way to kind of entice Monty to keep coming, which he does. And it does work because Monty has shifted his his <laughs> eyes and his intention. He's like, oh, I'll eat some food. And kids like, tail swish, tail swish. Thank tail you. Swish. Do not follow me. Okay. <laughs> I'm out. And he checks in here. So right there, stop. So that's a check-in. Like, are we okay? He didn't mean to annoy Monty. He just wanted to pull him out of that moment. And he checks in with him here. And Monty, they see the nostrils on Monty? Yeah. So doing a deep breath. So this is them going, hey, are we okay? Are we all right? Everything's good? Okay. Then, so, because next, after that check-in, kid decides, okay, we're okay. Everything's fine. I can go do something else now and lower the intensity. I'm checking with my camera person here. And I can relax. So he couldn't relax and Monty couldn't relax. And you've seen this. This makes me think, um, of when you put out a surefoot pad and all the other horses start relaxing. Yeah. And also, you know, viewing this, you would think that those guys are just playing because this, the gal who sent in the video is like, they do this all the time. They're just nonstop, la, 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 la. And then when you, we did the slow uh, motion during the club, it's like, how interesting looking at Monty's face. It's definitely a lot of stress and tension in his face. And he was dropped with a tension drop you know, so kind of putting all these puzzle pieces together and all the attention kid was doing to his cheek. It's like, there has to be something going on there. And a lot of times if horses have teeth issues um, in the back teeth and the molars, there's some ulcerations happening, you know? So these horses are really, you know, in tune with each other. And he kid was pointing out, Hey, I'm so sorry about your face. Can I help you? But well, and it was also so interesting that the minute he got him to move, he was done. It was just about getting him redirected. Yep. Redirected. Perfect yeah, word. Because if it was play, the minute he got him to move, it would have just escalated into something else. Right. right. And so I think that that's, that could be so easily missed that it, it wasn't about a playful, let's chase each other around thing. It was, you got to move. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So it's very interesting to look at their behaviors from their that they're not little house predators right, right. they're and then, <laughs> they're prey animals and they're they're in a herd dynamic and the herd dynamic has some different influences right and it's like you know dogs and cats definitely get soothed through play you know a dog may be barking and being all a little crazy you take them through a walk or throw the ball for them then they'll be able to calm down but with a horse it's completely opposite you get them to do like less <laughs> you know, like just stand there. Just don't yeah. go anywhere. Please just stand. <laughs> Which and is what sure that's why we love talking to you so much because the first time I ever saw I didn't even know what sure it was. You're like, come with me and interpret what's happening. I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> follow American here in Germany. We okay. will follow which they're not gonna have this year, but I know. I know. That's super sad. But I was so impressed with how quickly they could um start to shift and redirect what's going on for them. And it was like the, the pads gave them an ability to have a, a kind of self-awareness because you can explain this probably better than I can, but our brains don't work the same way. We have brain capacity that allows us to step outside ourselves and reflect back on ourselves, And they don't have that brain capacity. They can't do that. 
They're in whatever's happening. So the other horse is actually acting as like an external witness of like, snap out of it, snap out of it. Um, we can sort of say to ourselves, snap out of it, go for a walk or something, change. Yeah. We can talk to ourselves, they cannot. So when they get on the surefoot pads, what I experience is that they have this way to um, self-reflect in a way that works for them. It's like they can pattern interrupt whatever was going on and become body aware, which is what they can do. They have a huge cerebellum. And yep. so they can dive into their body awareness in a new way. And I think for them, it's similar to what self-reflection does for us. That's what yeah, I think. And, and one of the things about Surefoot is that there's an unconscious level. Like when you see a horse stand on a pad, and I've seen this in under 10 seconds, the very first time completely shift. Mm -hmm. um, there's an unconscious, just nervous system response. Um, whether it's it is obviously a release of neurochemicals it's shifting fascia it's probably changing blood flow but it there's an unconscious level and then there's a conscious level where they kind of go whoa what am i standing on right and then they start to connect consciously the pad with the feeling yeah it's very quick that they recognize the pad with the feeling and now they associate the feeling with the pad which is why then you can shift on to the next level of just having a pad have an effect by seeing it because right. it's already habituated, you know, made that neural connection between that, that thing and I feel good. But there's um there's an unconscious piece. It happens so rapidly in some cases that it's, um, and you know, I've thought about this and I, I don't know, it's just, you know, we only have guesses about Surefoot, but one of my thoughts is that if a horse were to stand on really good grass, what would the ground feel like? Mm. It would feel spongy, right? Mm -hmm. Because we see the elicitation of grazing response, like I'm thinking about um, a horse I had in an expo, this is years ago now, a little Chincoteague pony who was very stressed and we were in an indoor building, in an indoor arena with footing and pipe poles. And the minute that horse stood on the pad, he went around to each of the poles with grazing response and specifically would walk to the next pole and look for grass and walk to the next pole and look for grass. And I've seen this a number of times where it elicits that, that deep grazing response, but the behavior almost appears as if you know, it's grass seeking. Sometimes it's that nuzzling that you talk about, that reset. <laughs> but yeah. in other cases, it's literally like, a, you know, they're looking for grass and they'll go around and check corners. I saw this with a thoroughbred that was racing thoroughbred and we did, you know, two minutes. And the next thing, instead of trying to be out of the arena, she was checking all the corners. Yeah. Right? Checking the environment, making sure it's safe. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, her neck was down and she was, she was already okay in there, but, you know, so I think that on one level you have this unconscious um, sensation in the foot that mm -hmm. triggers a neurochemical response that triggers the parasympathetic system that says, Hey, you know, maybe there's good food here. Right. Well, we call that, we actually call that securing the environment. And you'll see that behavior when they've come out of enough of the sympathetic and they're able to then go check for bees, bears, boogeyman scents. And, and grazing is part of it. Of course, resources is part of it. And so but that's so predictable. That's one of those predictable patterns that we have, we encourage people to take horses around to all the poles and touch the poles with them. Mm -hmm. And as a way to, to get the horse oriented to the environment to say, and this is interesting. This is really interesting because the edges of their environment hold the, the most threat, the most potential threat, because the threshold is where predators hide. 
So predators hide behind poles, they hide behind trees, they hide in gullies and ditches and things. Uh, bees make nests in the ground. You know, there's all kinds of gopher holes and snakes and there's all kinds of things. So when you see that sniffing, 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 they are looking for, is there any resources, right? And they're also looking for, is there any potential threats? But they have to be centered enough in themselves to actually do that. Otherwise, yeah, you that, exactly. It can't be an anxiety uh, position. Right. They'd be running every time they smelled it. <laughs> right. Right. But then you can watch, a, a, you know, a particular horse, depending on, you know, where they're at inside themselves, if they have, you know, an intercom or not, that they will go smell something and freak out <laughs> and fart and poo and everything's like, you know, see, it looks like it's falling apart, you know, for them because they don't have a zero and that they, Ha, um, don't have agency for the self-regulation right and so and going on the pad it's like a reset button and then you know they're like oh interesting now I, I can I can go check it out be here now right. I can check out what here is right and they yeah. can maintain that which is really fascinating it's yeah. like they have somehow reset to be able to have that agency to be able to calmly check out their environment instead of being like ah, 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 you know at every little thing yeah and we do have a couple chat things but the first one that just i just popped up is about poo when stalls are clean it always seems that horse will poop within minutes of coming back in making a new safe spot or just bad timing lol new safe spot we actually had an experience with a particular horse in an indoor arena and he did three poos and he was only in there for maybe, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, three poos in one spot. And then he ran to the end of the arena and kept looking outside. So we're like, this is really interesting. And then coming back to his poo. So we're like, we assume that the outside is extremely unsafe and he needs to get back to his poo. So and then he would time. look at us like, are you going to fix that yeah. unsafe outside thing? And we're like, uh, <laughs> this was like, and we weren't really doing, this was like an after hours, like playing with someone else's horse who wasn't involved with the clinic. We could like, can we show you something? And so it was just one of these off the cuff situations. And so the gal went and scooped up his poo and the darn horse kept his nose on the pitchfork, literally the whole time walking across. This is a huge arena too. Walking across the arena, she dumped the poo in the bucket. The darn horse went back over to the place and pooped again. <laughs> He's like, stop removing my safety poop. Right. And so then <laughs> the end of the story is we find out the next day, two things. One thing that they were shooting guns oh. at night out there somewhere. There's, There's like some, a, a game preserve. Out some back rich and... people's gun club or whatever. <laughs> They're out shooting in the middle of the night, which is totally unsafe and not cool. And then the other aspect was in that very spot there, where been an accident. there was a severe accident. And so he, the leftover or pheromones whatever. or whatever. And it was like yeah. a year and a half previously, right, right there. It was a, a very yeah. bad accident. So he had, and he, this was a new horse to the property. Yeah. So they, you know that they use horses to, for scenting lost hikers. That's a new thing now. I know that they are now using scent horses, yep. like scent dogs. Right. Realized how much they can smell. <laughs> then there's yeah. that, remember we talked several weeks ago about quantum smelling. So who knows what what he could pick up on, but something that was the spot that we we didn't know in the we moment. We didn't know in the moment that that. So he's equating. There's people in the woods that you guys don't know about, which was true. Yeah. And this is a stressful spot that we need to make safe, which is true. And I didn't know either of those things, but he did. Yeah. And when we were in Germany that time, we had these two uh, one stallion, one gelding out together, three days in a row. 
the stallion went and marked his territory at the furthest end of the arena. And then the, the gelding went and scented it and they went around, did laps, went back to the poo three days in a row, same exact thing. Wow, fascinating. Same spot. All right, um, I had someone send a question. She put it in the chat, but I'm gonna read it because this is what she typed to me. Um, what are some signals or gestures that a horse who does not enjoy being touched may show? I have a four-year-old pushy in your face horse that demands your attention. But if you go to pet scratch, love on him, he gets nippy and is just not relaxed and present with you. He is much different when in a structured work session. So this along with a few other key things has led me to believe it is not pain. He is an adopted Mustang and I am addressing it as an emotional issue, but many layers. Well, here's an interesting, I have an answer for that. You ready? No way. Ready? Get your, I'm not get your pen and paper because you <laughs> might want to write some of this stuff down. So horses have um, their, their primary value is the bubble of personal space. We've talked about anybody who's learned horse speak could learn about that. But underneath the primary value, there's things that they're seeking in order to create homeostasis, in order to have a sense of well-being. And they're seeking all these things, but some horses have a deficit or a need for one kind of more than all the others. And so those things are connection, comfort, safety, um, protection, resources, clarity. and clarity. Okay, because I have to remember all six. So, <laughs> so that's what they are, okay? And in this case, I would say the horse is seeking comfort and connection and is confused about how to do that. Because when you have them going, nee, 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 that's seeking connection. I want connection. I want to be connected with you. I don't know how to do it. Where should my face be? So typically horses that are seeking connection and comfort. So I want to be connected. I want comfort from you, right? But if I try to touch you, though, no, 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 that's not the comfort I want. So the comfort that the horse is seeking is the comfort of being together with our bodies in a way that makes sense. So work is a way that our bodies make sense. It's clear, it's got clarity, it's cut and dry, it works. So this is where the human, our humanness and, and horseness can, can in, um, collide. So bringing the same level of clarity to connection and comfort with the horse where you're very, very simple and clear, you repeat often, keep your face there, I'll keep my body here, I'm going to reach in to touch you in one way on one part of your body with perhaps the back of my hand, which is less stressful, or perhaps with a stick, which is less stressful actually to stroke them with a stick, let them mm -hmm. sniff it first. And then I will stop and then you'll go back to your space and I'll go back to my space. And you rinse and repeat that as though you were teaching anything else, as though you were teaching a, you know, a trot to canter transition. You, you repeat patterns that you want them to memorize and when you're doing patterns with the horse that you want him to memorize in work, he's fine. He's happy to memorize those patterns because that's clarity. So some horses are so, it really require a lot of clarity in order for the other values to be met. Okay. And Mustangs are usually one of them mm -hmm. because they're like, when I met humans, they were octopus and I don't know what the heck they're doing and talking about. And so he's saying, I want to be connected. I'm in your face, in your bubble, in your face, but without the clarity, I don't know how to do this connection thing with a human being because sometimes you touch me and sometimes you don't touch me and sometimes you smack me and say, get away from there. And sometimes you pull me and tell me to come close. 
I can't tell what's what, when, why, how, what are the rules here? How, when, when can I touch you? And the wild breeds are like, and so the wild breeds are so precise. So you have to say only, I make a couple of rules, only touch your muzzle to my knuckle, for instance. So if they reach around, like, I'd like to connect with you and they come inside your bubble, that's them saying, what part of your body am I supposed to touch? So when then I say this, my knuckle and outside my body, never touch my body. Don't sniff my pockets. Don't sniff my neck. Don't sniff my shoulder until we've solved this. If this is solved, then I could welcome you in and we could practice sniffing some other parts. And if it's too much, I could say, okay, go back to your own space. But if what they do, like what that horse did to his boo-boo buddy, he brought his muzzle in. It was muzzle to muzzle, muzzle to face over and over and over again, very gentle. And when Monty had had enough, he said, that's enough, mm -hmm. right? And so we have to mimic that behavior to say, touch my touch my knuckle with your muzzle, this is okay, and now do too much. Okay, that's too much, that's enough. And leave my hand here, because if I put my hand down, it looks like come back. So yeah, and I think I, uh, one of the things that you're saying is that keep it simple, very clear, establish, go away. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, I just wanna bring in uh, Kim Bowers coming back for our uh, five element theory, TCM five element theory, uh, per temperament types. And when I read this, I'm wondering what that horse's temperament type is if he's really happy working. So that might be a great webinar to also listen to because mm -hmm. the different temperaments require different approaches. Yep. Um, and some are work. That's what they do. And I, I had a horse I rode, he was fabulous, but don't, don't mess with me. I just want to work. Um, and sometimes we want them to <laughs> have different temperaments. Mm -hmm because we want to satisfy something in us, but we That's have to right. really understand that horse's temperament so that we make sure we're not confusing and conflicting. That's um, right. Yeah. And so um, but that's, you know, when he's really good in work, that can be uh, a- Definitely. Mm -hmm. And what we've found, and thank you for that. And I definitely people should tune into that because I love the elements with horse. There's so many ways is astrology for horses. There's a lot of different ways to kind of peel back the layers. And I think it's all valuable and I really yeah. encourage that. And what we've also found is that there's a way to communicate with horses about the primary values and go through them and be like, how can we soften if you're, if you're don't want me to touch you or you don't, or you have an issue with this or you know, you're not, not okay with that or you're too much of this or too much of that. Underneath it is always a question. Underneath what we call vices is always a question. Even a horse who says, don't touch me We've been able in one session to have the horse say, oh, now you can touch me. That's fine because you yeah. brought, because you're touching me in the way that I want you to. Right. So, so there's a way to, to perceive everything they're doing as a question that they're asking instead of just a behavior that you don't want. Exactly. So what are the six things again? Somebody's asked you to repeat them. Clarity. Clarity is a big one for horses because it's, if, it's huge all the way around. And that's why I see so many people are not clear. That, as you say, they pull them in and push them out. And so the horse is complete. So clarity is huge. And <laughs> the second part of clear is when you do ask for face, uh, go away face, depending, it's a pointy finger, or if you need more prong hand, because if you do flat surface, that, that is means more connection. connection. And so you're not they'll, asking for they'll come, they'll back. come back in. Yeah. They'll so come back in. But if you do that, it says, it's, no, move away. Yeah, away. So that's a clarity thing, right? Yeah. So clarity, number one, connection and comfort. They go together, but they don't always. Sometimes horses want connection. I want to be near you. 
but I don't want you to touch me. I just want to be with you. I want to share space with you. I'll share space. I'll share, hey, I'll follow you. You can ride me, but I don't want, and some horses want comfort. Now, maybe they're uncomfortable. And so they're seeking comfort. They're cribbing, they're doing weird things, or they're just a comfort horse where they actually like grooming and affection. And they, they come over and say, scratch my bum immediately. And they're looking for that comfort. And for them, comfort is trumping connection. So they want comfort. You might not feel that connected to them. You might feel like this mare comes and brings a butt in your face the moment you show up and you're like, okay, I'll scratch your butt, but I'm, this isn't really connect. I mean, we're not really connecting. You're just using me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So there, they are different. There is a distinction. And then there's protection, which is the sense that the human being can offer protective. You can be a protective pair of eyes, you know, your eyes on the scene, you're aware of thresholds, you're aware of things that might, a horse might find scary or fretful and in a protective way. And then there's safety. And so safety is a little different from protection being that, can I make the world safe for you? Can we do safety poops? Can we do safety objects? Can I help you reduce stress in areas that, so protection's direct, like I won't let the coyotes kick you. Safety is like, let's figure out how to help you feel safe. And it just totally makes me think of the And then there's resources. Resources. Yeah, so we had one client recently who was a treat giver Mm -hmm. and had the treats in the pocket and the horse and actually her horse and then someone else's horse, they were all like this little clan. So everyone hung out with each other. And so this lady with the treats shows up to the first horse that we were working with and that horse beelines right to her and we're like, treats, she's a treat girl. Yeah. So we're like, okay, so she, we worked with her next. And um, it was interesting because the horse was like in her pockets and Sharon's like, do you have treats on you? And the lady's like, no. And Sharon's <laughs> like, yes. Empty your pockets Please right now. Empty and what pockets. turns out is that her horse was seeking safety mm-hmm. and connection above all else but needed the clarity of like food can't just fall out of mom's pockets right so, so the food made it unclear and unspecific so when she she could say let's make the world safe for you and she did those behaviors and then she, now that the world was safe he's like you know what i do want to connect with you and i want to stand right here by your mm-hmm. side and not leave your side and it was one of these moments too where you know we yell at some sometimes we'll yell at horses that are way over far so we like you don't look at my horse horse and the horse like Okay. The horse is way over there yielding their head away going. (laughs) He like walked away. And that was huge for the horse that we were working with because he's like, oh, cool. Because he's kind of low man in the totem pole. He lined right up with his owner and basically followed her all around the outside. Like she was on the outside of the round pen and he was on the inside and he was following her everywhere. So in that case, it wasn't the the resources was not what was the draw. No. It was needing to for her to be his safety object and for her to bring clarity to the relationship, that was the draw, and then he was all in. And, and for a different horse, it was the resources. Yep. So this other horse, the resources, like where do I get my hay? She was just worried about where's the food coming from all the time, not that she was lacking any food, but she was just worried about it. And so clarifying where the food is coming and even doing, this was fun, Wendy, you'd probably get a kick out of this, swish tail. Yeah. So you can, you can say to a horse, we're not talking about that right now, so she pointed, the owner pointed at a pile of hay, looked at her horse and did swish tail. We're not talking about that hay right now. And the mare went, oh, and let it go. <laughs> she was fixated on someone was getting hay like 300 feet away from the round pen. 
And we're like, oh yeah, see that? Oh no. But when you see horses together and they're voting, you know, and one picks up their head and says, do you want to go that way? And the other horses are watching and you'll see, they'll look and then they'll swish tail. I don't want to go that way. And they vote. And when, if enough horses vote and look that way with a positive, I want to go step that way. And uh, only a few horses swish their tail. The whole herd will end up, they vote to go. But if more horses swish their tail, they vote not to go. It's a democracy. Yeah. 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 So we also have this other um, comment. My orphan foal is so mouthy and in my face. Standard approaches are not as effective with him. So in this case, you would want to learn about... um, there's so much that I could tell you, but you, you would want to learn about the horse speak stuff because it's going to fill in the gaps what this horse isn't getting from his mother, which is about boundaries, rules, limitations, setting the, but you want to get something like a, a toilet scrubber that's got a soft foamy end and use that for your contact and your touch and your, because it gives a little space, but it's a soft fluffy thing. We know someone else who's currently working with the Colt and she's using this toilet scrubber and it's amazing because he can get nippy and bitey and he can do all kinds of things. So you use the toilet scrubber as you're say hello with it. It's a target, you can follow it, you can pet them with it. You can influence the buttons. You can keep distance between your body and their body, but still teach them uh, what the rules are of behavior. You know, this makes me think of so much of my, my years of training with the Tellington Touch and that we used a white four foot whip so that yeah. we could stroke the horse and called it a wand because it's not about beating the horse, but you could stroke the horse, make that contact, but keep the distance and guide with it. And, you know, when, when I think it's so simple, when you think about that, it's over eight feet from the horse's eye to his tail, mm-hmm. and we're maybe two feet long, you know, wide this way that, <laughs> you know, they have a long neck, they have a three foot neck, right? So they can reach around and touch different places on that long body. Whereas our vertical structure doesn't, and, and our arms aren't long enough. So by using an extension of our arm, whether that's a toilet brush or a wand um, or any relatively rigid structure so that you can be clear. And I think that that's where, you know, when I see people working with the rope halter and the rope, they cannot be clear and precise with Mm -hmm. their timing and their touch because it takes too long to get the rope where you want it to go and the precision lacks. Whereas with something like a scrubby or a stick, I can point specifically and touch you repeatedly in the same place to say, this is what I meant. So it gives us that space. And, you know, this this is where I love to hear um, the different people talk because there's always these connections that we keep coming back to that are universal and you hear them over and over and over again. You know, I, I hate to say it, but we have really blown through this hour and we never got to get the video that I want to show. So we might have to do oh. that. Time. Um, All right. Unless you want to show it now. Um, well, no, no, I, I want to spend time with it. And I think so instead we should answer these two questions. Uh, somebody asked, um, is there uh, how to offer treats? Like how to, what is your recommendation if you're going to use food, which some horses are very food motivated and it can be like, I 
to, to talk about this little guy that I have a Welsh cob, he's 14 two hands and I had to clip him and he'd never been clipped. So I use carrots and every time I turn the clipper on, he got a carrot and pretty soon turning the clipper yeah. was not a problem. So there right. are appropriate ways to use food because after I got started, I didn't use the carrots anymore because he'd already been okay with it. Um, right. Somebody says, I never give treats out of hand. I give it in the work of bowl, but I give it out of hand and they can separate. So um, I think that we should talk about the fact that you know, we tend to think that horses cannot differentiate how to take a treat, but they absolutely can. And I always know when my husband's been giving the horses treats because they get a little mouthy. And then I come along and I say to them gentle and I hold the treat and they take it with their lips. So they are totally trainable about food. Um, but what are your recommendations? Uh, well, first of all, I think that uh, the first thing a horse does in his life is suckle on the teat and that's pretty sensitive. And if if, if the baby grabs a hold too hard or whatever, mom's knee is right there to go, I don't think so. So um, they learn immediately how, what's the right kind of pressure. And, and also mom can, can cut them off and say, not now. She's got rules about when to, when you can nurse and this is not a time to nurse. So um, they're, one of the first things they learn is the rules about food on my body. So when you have food on your body, you have to reassert there's rules about food on my body, food in my hand, food in my pockets. And if a horse didn't get weaned well, you know, that those things will surface, like their, their inner pole syndrome. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And it's this high value food. So then typically the anxiety will go up. Even, you know, our guys, they're all up there chilling, being zero and stuff. But if we do bring food, it is brings up their, you know, I want food. So they start throwing out tricks and all that kind of stuff. Be like, can I get more treats? And we're mm -hmm. like, no, we're but, gonna but technically if take their space. There's and, a really easy way to do it, which yeah. is if you tuck the food inside, inside your palm of your hand, you flip your like this and you've, and you've worked on the greeting. So you have a nice soft greeting. You don't wanna muddy your greeting ritual where your, your knuckle is simulating the muzzle of the horse because they touch muzzle on muzzle and then they stop. They touch and they quit touching. So if you have food and you have this nice greeting, then the greeting is here. You drop your hand for the food and then you reveal when the lips are soft. And so the reveal is this little bit of a soft pressure. And if you feel anything hard coming at you, just nope, nope, that's not, that doesn't get the treat. Actually, Raquel Butler um, in her webinar about um, doing stretches did use, and they had to lick her hand before they would have the food. Right. So the same idea, again, these lovely universals about, you know, and I think we, we tend not to think that they're trainable in terms of how to receive, but they are. And it falls back on us mm -hmm. in the end to be paying attention and maintaining boundaries and not just simply, you know, I, I hate to say it, but so many people equate food with love. And so when the horse comes to them for food, they equate it with my horse loves me as opposed to love is a good boundary. And sometimes there's food. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. There was just, you'd say that it's so cool. It was just this um, conversation going on, on on one of our Facebook pages. And that's what people were talking about was getting to the point in the horse speak book where I talk about the horse yielding space as a sign of affection or, or I like or you welcome. or yeah. welcoming um, or at the very least respect because <clears throat> they, for an animal that is a, a prey species, their space is everything to them, right? And so they use space like a commodity 
like money. And if they like each other, they yield space, they share space. The space, the, the bubble, uh, the edge of, put your hand here, the edge of the bubble is the first point of contact. So that this invisible bubble line is the first touch point, actually not the skin touch. Right. So if a horse is looking at you and yields their face away, that already is a sign that they're saying, I like you, here's some space, you can have the space. They might yield their face away and have an ear pinned or something. That's their way of saying, I don't wanna do what you wanna do right yeah, now. Yeah, that's too bad, right? <laughs> right, well, they, but they still respected you enough to move away from your space. This is important because if a horse is to the place where they're biting and driving you away from their space, they're, that, they've lost it. They've had a, they're at a place of a horse is biting and driving you away, they're saying, I don't know how to do the spacing with you. You don't know how to do the spacing with me. And it's messy to that level because most horses will yield first to say, you're bigger than me. You're higher in the hierarchy than me. Maybe I've got a sour face and I don't want to do this thing, but I'm giving you room because I don't want to mess up my connection with you. Yeah. And we had a session with a stallion who was basically like really nippy at your face. Everything you walk by, you try to like nip at you. And so Within 15 minutes, Sharon used the end of a crop and be like, and made the connection between you can touch my, the crop and be nice and you could play with it. You could play a little bit with the crop, but when my knuckle comes out, you have you to drop your head. to drop your head like you're and being nice connection with my knuckle. And then when I stand up and ask for room, you can just move out of my space and it's okay. Cause he'd been getting this right. because Smack and so it. I had to show him you if I ask for space and you give me a little bit of space that's it and very quickly very quickly he went yeah. if you like space I'll give you lots of space and he'd back away from the window and yield his head and show me like look at how much space and I'm giving you there was a moment where he made a decision distinction between the crop and the knuckle and he went to go a little bit too aggressive towards Sharon Knuckle and he stopped himself. You could see it. He's, and he, he just felt then, skin and he went, oh, whoops. Yeah. You could literally see his whole face and pull away. And I said, yeah. you're not in trouble. It's okay. And then very gently with the lips, mm -hmm. he's doing this. And this is a chronic, he'd been biting people for years. But you know, you, you, I think one of the points in this is that we keep invading their space. If they want, if we want them to respect our space, we also have to respect their space number right. one value is space yeah and so you know if you're in on that stallion and then you're yelling at him for being in on you but you've never acknowledged his space how the heck is he supposed to differentiate right, right. and that's when sharon said oh good boy you you gave me space you gave me i'm gonna inch. give you i'm gonna step away three feet right yeah you can have your space and, and, and that, my space. on that level because people some people are like but are you, is he winning? Are you going? And that's just yeah. not the deal. I just, yeah. you know, this whole thing about, you know, you can't let them, they don't think that way. Their brain doesn't work that They're way. They're not in competition with us. Right. They, <laughs> they just want to have the, the, you know, the rules of the road. They want to know what the herd dynamic is with us as part of the herd. Yes. And yes, we are going to be more the mentor in that herd, but we have to honor them. And I, you know, I so, when I hear people talk about, and I'm going to rant a little and then I'll be done because I have to go, but you know, they talk about, you know, your horse doesn't respect you. Well, if we don't respect them first, there's no way they can respect us. 
And respect, it has to be given to be earned. And we have to acknowledge, look, you need space here. You're trying to tell me that I am too close to you and you are feeling threatened. Let me figure out what makes you comfortable. And then we can have a conversation. Right. Um, Last thing I want to say, just for anyone who has any confusion about what is the space? Because people do, they get like, they understand intellectually, but physically they don't get it. And so think about driving on a four lane highway and how important is the space around your car and how important is it to stay in your lane? And if you're on a four lane highway and someone starts swerving, how uncomfortable do you become? Yeah, if they start crying, you know, you know, they're texting and here they come, you're getting yeah. really panicky. <laughs> they're creeping over. Right? And so that's what it's like for them. Yeah. So, yeah. so everyone needs to stay in their lane. And if you start swerving and doing weird things, they get all like, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do next? Right. And, okay. and we can go, obviously we have to be able to, and we can go into their space. But, but that's your blinker. Yeah. You yeah. put your blinker on. Yeah. And we have people <laughs> in. If you watch horses start to move, they'll nod their head. Yeah. They put a blinker on. They actually let everybody know where they're going. Or they start leaning or what have you. So mm-hmm. when you start to be able to notice all these patterns of like, oh, wow. Every time my horse moves, he nods his head. Then when you see your horse nodding his head, he's going to start moving. We can prepare. It's about becoming a better observer. And over and over again, that is the bottom line. It's about being a better observer so we can be a better owner for our horses. Absolutely. And that's what horse speak is all about. And that's what Sherfoot's all about. Yeah. That's why we love talking to you. I know. It's so fun. And I have to go because I've got to go get to the barn. I have an appointment there. Um, But we will obviously have to come back and do another because I want to show this video that was so cool. And then, yes, Lori, we do have video of the stallion, but you have to join the club to be able to see it. (laughs) She had mentioned, how can they join the club? Go to SharonWilsey.com and then just find the link that says club and we'll take you over to our online um, site on Teachable and you can sign up there. And right now, if you sign up before January 31st, we're offering 40% off all of our webinars and online courses if you are a club member. So you get, you get eight hours of Sharon and I talking at you about your personal video. And then we have archives from starting in June. The first week of June is when we started the club. So we have all those videos and we go in depth like we did with Kid and Monty. So if you have a video you want to share and you want to learn more about what your horse is saying or what you're doing with your horse, join the club because we're there every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to three. Yes. And I will be a guest on the 11th. The secret special guest is no oh, longer <laughs> Yes! <laughs> secret special guest, the secret's out if they watch this webinar. Okay, I got to Thank you so much. I so love you. Take care, everyone. The new year. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be in touch to get another date and we'll see you here again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning yeah. in. Just be sure to subscribe to Surefoot Equine. And tomorrow, it's, I think tomorrow's Kim Bauer with uh, the Five Element Theory. I'm pretty sure. That's okay. pretty cool. Confused. But anyway, we got great webinars this week. So tune in. All right. Bye. Take care, everyone. Be well.